0: This is the Equip Podcast hosted at Rocky Creek in Greenville, South Carolina. This weekly course seeks to equip our church for the work of ministry. Hope it will help you as well. Alright, we're going to be in a moment. We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 2, so you can turn over there. And as we're doing that, though, I do want to give a couple of introductory comments. uh, That as we navigate this contentious election season, how are Christians supposed to respond? And in light of the state of disunity within the United States of America, disciples of Jesus must prove themselves to be different from society. And so what I want us to look at over these next few weeks is, what does it look like to be different than what the majority is? For those that are just going to follow along the way. Um, Let me ask the people, have you ever known a more divided time in your life, anybody? All right, and there's different ages, there's different decades of life here, but I would say this has got to be pretty much the worst we've ever been at. I would say as, as a country, um, and I also believe that there, it seems like there is, it's not slowing down any. Uh, but almost ramping up somewhat. And so what I think is so important for us to understand is who we need to be as followers of Jesus. So the first section there about where are we, uh, I want to give us a couple of thoughts to start with. The first one is this. The founding of this country was based on obtaining certain freedoms, but the degree of those allowances have been consistently debated. I'm going to move over just a little bit to make sure everybody can see this. But uh, those... uh, Freedoms are consistently debated about what we should have. What are some of those freedoms that we debate about uh, how we should have and how we should respond with them? What are they? Freedom of speech. Freedom of of religion. Freedom of religion. Come on, there's one more. Good one. Yeah, right to bear arms, right? Okay, this is South Carolina. Come on. Um, Those are the three most important things, right? Uh, And and so there are those. Now, I think that our country was founded on that we are supposed to obtain those certain freedoms, Right? But it's always the degree about what, how much of freedom you can have. Um, I think that people say, of course, every citizen should have a freedom of speech to a point. Uh, people should have the right, the freedom to bear arms to a point. There's a freedom to practice religion even to a point until it starts infringing upon someone else. and so. We are built on the foundation of this freedom idea, but also we realize this, that those certain allowances are consistently debated. And the United States of America, I'll say this as the individual states, are aligned by certain commonalities, but the citizens are increasingly divided by critical discrepancies. So we've got red states, we've got blue states, right? We've got northern states, we've got southern states. We've got Democrat states, we've got Republican states. We've got the places that are more rural, we've got places that are more urban, we've got states that... Um, The larger metropolitan cities all vote one way and then all the communities around it vote another way, right? Uh, There are discrepancies about can we keep the electoral college because it seems like, oh, this is going to be hurting certain causes and we need to get rid of this. Because if you look at the highest population cities where the density always voting in a particular direction, right? So shouldn't it just be the majority rules, but the Electoral College was put in there for like a checks and balance system, of which some people are excited about, and others are saying it's slowing down us going forward. So this is going to be continue to go on. So my question is, and I want you to talk about either at your, your table or just even brainstorm just for about one minute, is what are some of the major disagreements going on in the United States of America about what we believe? On your mark, get set, talk. Yep. Um, so if you think through, like, what level of what branch of authority and what kind of jurisdiction do they have, right? Um, it was a little bit overwhelming, especially the last few months of going, so President Trump just had a press conference that said this, Governor McMaster says this, and Mayor Knox says this, right? It's like, which, which, which one? <laughs> can, can we all get on the same page? The answer is no, right? But so who has the right to, to say what? Okay, what's another disagreement going on? Abortion. Abortion? Kind of a hotly debated topic, Right. I imagine that most of us in this room see it very, very clearly. We see things very black and white on the situation, and there are people that are just as passionate as you are seeing the complete opposite. It's not like a little bit. It's the complete opposite, right? And they are very much so that even so that the thought of any of us saying that we were pro-life would be, how dare you? It almost is seen as an immoral position. Is it not right now? It is. What's another major disagreement? Race. Yep. Yep. So on the issue of, of race and how we treat one another, what do we do? What kind of reparations need to be made for the past? What, how kind of situations does that go? What does that do with local government, with schooling, with policing, all of those things? Other disagreements? Law and disorder, law and disorder right? So um, everybody likes the thought of having law and order as long as it's helping protect them. But then when it's abused, people want to have checks and balances, which everything everybody here would say. Uh, we don't want anybody having full authority with no checks and balances, but how do you you find that, right? And what's so hard in these times is that you have a few people making some poor decisions and it affects everybody. If you hadn't had the opportunity to do this, I'd encourage you to talk to a good police officer these days and and ask them how they're feeling about their job. What it's like to do a just simple search warrant or arrest warrant and to see how many cell phones come out and, and start recording every single move they make right now. Do you think there's going to be a lot of good people who want that job going forward? I wouldn't. <laughs> I talked to a retired police officer who says, I am glad that I am retired <laughs> right now. Wouldn't want to go there. Any other major disagreements you think of? How about um, legalizing illegal drugs? Yep, legalizing illegal drugs, right? Uh, what kind of medicinal purposes they can be used for? Are they helpful? Are they beneficial? All that kind of stuff, right? Uh, we, we talk about marriage. We talk about gender. We talk about all different types of things. And... Um, we are getting more and more passionate about our decisions and about what our thoughts are. Now, here, here's the thing that I want everybody to see, and I think we could probably all see the dangers here. Uh, American Christians often fall into one of two antithetical traps, either political obsession or political avoidance, okay? If you're going to find into one of two traps, I would say this. Most people are going to find themselves in one or two of these, either political obsession, it's all they think about, it's all they read, it's all they watch, it's all they talk about, Right, you know somebody like that. Don't point them out if they're in the room, but they're just always on. Right, Uh, and in fact, if you watch your local news station, it's not enough. Remember, remember back in the day when you would just have like Tom Brokaw would be standing there and he'd be talking to you. Now, if Tom was on, there'd be something on the side, there'd be a ticker tape at the bottom, there'd be other stuff going on. Here's what's coming up in the next five minutes, and I just felt like I need something to calm me down. It's just so much information. And so for some of us, there are uh, you can listen to talk radio at any time you want to. You can pull up anybody's podcast. You can pull up the news. It's 24-7. And if you want to be politically obsessed right now, can you be? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So I will say this, that there is rising a generation of uh, young people who have seen their parents' or grandparents' generation be politically obsessed that what they're doing is that they are completely shifting the other way and they're trying to avoid it altogether. Don't want anything to do with it. Don't care about voting. Don't care about any of the issues. Not going to get involved. So frustrated with how people have done it. I'm just, I'm tapping out. I don't want anything to do with it. Have you known anybody like this before? Just like, I, I don't want anything to do with it. it. It happens and the pendulum swings too far in the other direction. Rather than get to a safe spot, it gets way, way far out here. And so it comes in this political avoidance almost to, I think, the detriment of society. If all the Christians pull out, are we going to be in better shape? No. But if all the Christians put their hope in this, we're also in a very dangerous spot as well. So here's how I'd break down these two. Those suffering from political obsession expect the country to do what I believe the church was commissioned to do. A lot of times if it's in the religious category that people who are suffering from political obsession, they're expecting the country to do what the church was commissioned to do. Um, I'm not saying anybody in this room feels this way. But are there any... uh, Card-toting Christians in the United States of America that have too much expectations on the President Trump right now to do what needs to be done in this country. An unhealthy amount. There are some people who put him not in just a political light, but almost a spiritual one. That almost, he is almost like the pastor of America. And you may go, well, everybody knows he's got issues You guys know how serious people are just sort of lock and fall into whatever that he says right now, and it becomes this obsession, and it's almost as if, if we can just get the right guy in office, he can just make this thing happen, and all this stuff, and the morality that's supposed to be in America that we want the church to have, they're going to enforce it by legalizing it, right? Let's make the government do it. Now, we know this, that um, just because they make it a law, does that mean that it's going to be obeyed by people? No, it doesn't. So um, with that, while obviously we want people who follow the Lord to be a little bit in positions of authority, we have to be very careful. And so sometimes when we get politically obsessed, we get all up in arms because we're afraid of, oh, no, we're not going to have our candidate to do this. And I would say sometimes are we expecting the government to do what the church is called to do, right? Simple, easy kind of tossing. Um, my mom was a public school teacher for... I don't know how many years. I lost count. She retired about 14 times and kept coming back. Uh, She was a glutton for punishment. She she kept coming back, and they asked her to do this, and step in, and she kept teaching. She kept teaching. She kept teaching until literally she could not teach anymore. Um, And so she has seen the difference in those decades of teaching from 1971, probably, to probably 2012. I mean, the difference of what that has been teaching, right? And so she remembers of prayers in school, and she remembers when paddling was okay, right? And discipline was low. And and where it used to be that if there was a... Some of you teachers, especially if you know this, you remember that the parent-teacher conference used to be, hey, parent, you need to work on your child. Now the parent-teacher conference is, hey, teacher, why are you messing up my kid, <laughs> right? There's been, there's been this change that's taken place. And so... What happens is is that we take something like, say, prayer out of school and we go, if they would just put prayer back in school, everything would be okay. I'm all for prayer being put back in school, but do you think that's going to fix what's broken in our country right now? Just that alone? would it help? Sure it would. But can they stop Christian teachers and students from praying? No. They can be praying all they want to. But we say, if you just make a law, then we'd be good. Well, if you make it a law, guess what? The danger is this. You know what I think the decline of Christianity happened? Is when uh, the Emperor Constantine came in and he made Christian the official religion of the Roman Empire. Because up to that point, they were on the fringes and on the run. And if you decided to follow Christ, it meant something. And then all of a sudden, everybody became a Christian and it meant nothing anymore. And so sometimes we get so politically obsessed, if we just have this happen, all this good stuff will take place. On the other side, the danger is this. Those reverting to political avoidance rob the country of the good that biblical beliefs and behaviors could provide. So if we just completely revert and get out of the system we say we're going to push back, we're not going to be around, we are not being the good that this country needs. So if every believer of Jesus Christ just says, well, there's so much corruption there, I'm just going to go and live by myself and not get involved in the affairs, what we're refusing is the Nebuchadnezzars don't have a Daniel in their corner. The Belshazzars don't have Daniel there to remind them. We remove ourselves from it. So how do we find that? It can be so difficult that the good that biblical beliefs could have, and also biblical behaviors. Proverbs twenty nine two says it this way: When the righteous increase, the people rejoice. But when the wicked rule, the people groan. That's a pretty good verse for us, right? So, yes, we want righteous people to be uh, living and, and leading and increasing. People rejoice from it. But when the wicked rule, the people can groan. Now, in 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, I love this book of the Bible. It talks about how to live as exiles and, and to be say This isn't our home and how are we supposed to suffer well as Christians. In verse 9, this is what he says. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh. So stop for a second. Sojourners, exiles, the word can actually be translated aliens. And no, that doesn't mean like extraterrestrial aliens, right? It means this. When you start thinking of this, this world is not my home. I was made and built for another. I am destined for another. Heaven is my home. Earth is not my home, ultimately. So this is what you start thinking of it. Earth is not my home. It's my hotel, okay? When you go to a hotel, um, depending upon how long you stay, uh, do you take your stuff out of the bag? Maybe. If you're just there for one night, just keep it in the bag. It's not even worth getting out, right? If you're going to be there for a week you putting it out in the drawers, right? Do you start decorating the hotel room? Okay, anybody like, oh, I think I should change this picture out. We'll bring something else in, right? Okay, Rick does. Uh, I believe that with all of my heart, really. Um, so that somebody would come in and say, yeah, I'm, I'm going to completely redecorate the place. for. The-. No, you don't because you go, I'm just here temporarily, Right. Now, if, if they don't get towels, I'm going to go ask them to bring towels, but I also know this. It is what it is. This isn't my home. so I'm not going to get too caught up or too worried about it because this isn't where I live forever. I live here for a little while. Peter's saying this. Earth is your hotel. You're not here for long. Remember this. You're, you're not here for long. Don't miss that part of it. And so you're a sojourner. You're an exile. And in the midst of that, you abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. You see what he's saying? All right. If, if you're a foreign person in this world, this is your hotel. You better keep your conduct honorable so that the people who don't know God see something different in you. And can I tell you that when I speak to most, you know, we had college students and 20-somethings in, in our last service here. And a lot of those students that they feel like they're going to political avoidance. You know why that happens? They're so frustrated with how people who've been very religious and also political at the same time turn a blind eye to the sins of their heroes of their convention. Right? So let me ask if you've ever heard this argument. Well, you know, President Trump is an immoral this, and he's done that in his lifetime. And they go, yeah, but Bill Clinton did the same thing. Is that an argument we really want to use? <laughs> is that really we want to defend somebody on that? Well, you know, uh, I can't believe they're, they're trying to push the Supreme Court justice in here. Like, the other party wouldn't do that if the opportunity arose. There, there's no standard. We, we don't see it. We, it's always skewed based upon the people that we see, right? And sometimes, church, let's be honest, do we turn a blind eye to people even in the political system when they are disobeying commandments, but we go, uh eh, yeah, I know, but? But we'll call it out on other people. And so I think what he's saying is keep it consistent. Keep your behavior consistent. If you say you follow Christ, follow Christ all the way. Verse 13, here we go. Y'all ready for this? Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. So what's he saying? Be subject to President Trump, to Governor McMaster, to Mayor Knox, as far as it doesn't start infringing upon what it means to be a Christian Obey them. Listen to them. Follow them. And the hard thing here is, he doesn't say which type of human institution other than the fact that he says what? Everyone. So this is where I, I have really thought through... Um, you know, this week, when a lot of people, uh, let's be honest, once again, with the, <laughs> I was about to say the elephant in the room, but there's a lot of connotations there. It's the elephant in the room, right? When, when, when Trump found out this week that he had the, the virus, there were a lot of people that were scared to death and started praying, and a lot of people were rejoicing in our country. Were they not? You heard it. You saw it. It was almost a mockery. Like, got what he deserved. And, I, and you can even read or listen to certain people go, and I hope it takes them all the way. Right? That's there. And... Here here's my honest gut check that I want to do because um there have been uh so the presidents in my lifetime, you already I started at Ronald Reagan, okay? That's right, I've gone Reagan to Trump, okay? It's a lot of change in my lifetime in some ways and all the ones that have been there in between. But I would hope that as a Christian that no matter who took office throughout that time, if any one of those presidents had COVID nineteen, that I should be able to pray for them from this microphone. Right? I don't want our president to die from coronavirus. I don't want our president to be out of office. I would have prayed for Barack Obama at that moment if he had it. And I'd hope he would recover. And I think that when we get so catered to a system, it's hard for us to see that. And I think we hear so many times people almost enjoying the fallings of those that they don't support. And, and here's the thing. Um, if Trump or Biden gets elected... I really think that as a believer and as a citizen, I should hope and pray that they're successful at what they do. I don't want them to fail, right? I don't want them to do awful. I I want them to do well in what God's doing. And so when Peter comes along and says, you be subject for the Lord's sake, once again, not for your sake, but for the Lord's sake. Be subject to every human institution for the Lord's sake. It's honoring to the Lord when you're subject to every human institution, whether it's the emperor, whether it's the governor. Look at verse 15. For this is the will of God. That by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. That's a pretty good thing. Anybody have any foolish people that you're listening to right now, or at least you hear them talking? Here's how to silence them. You do good. Verse 16. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom (coughs) as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. So, in our freedom, don't use it as a cover-up for evil. I'm free to do whatever I want to. I can get away with whatever I want to. Don't go there. Verse 17. Honor God. Everyone. You mean even them, Lord? Yeah, <laughs> even them. But the people who think this about race, these people who think this about sanctity of life, the people who think this about marriage, these people who think about gender, about you name it, honor all of them. Honor everyone. Honor everyone. You know how difficult that is these days. Because I, I just, I would rather just prove to everybody why I'm right and they're wrong. That's a lot, you know, simpler to me, right? To tell them, hey, this is, you're, you're wrong on this and so let me show you why. And while I need to have the opportunity to have those conversations, sometimes I think it's important to say, how can I honor this person? How can I look at someone who believes something very differently than me and have an actual conversation about it? He says, honor everyone, love the brotherhood. What does that mean? It's a church family. Love. Stay committed there. Care for one another. Uh, fear God. Okay, that makes sense. And then honor the emperor. In our case, that'd be honor the president, honor the highest authority, the lay of the land, whatever it is. Don't miss this, though. Fear God, but honor the ruler. It's not fear the ruler and honor the God, right? And the way I say that's so different is because I see a lot of people these days who make Jesus more an association to what they want to do politically and in their life versus to say he's the ultimate authority in our life. I'm going to fear him. I'm going to honor the other, but I'm going to fear God. And so in these verses, you notice all different types of ways that Peter's trying to say, hey, but if you're going to live in exiles, make sure you're doing this in the right way. Now, here's, here's the question about, so this is, if that's where we are, how do we get here? I love this quote. This, this quote comes from uh, Bruce Ashford uh, there for you. It says, Because God commanded humanity to be fruitful and multiply, we know he intended the human race to grow, and any time humans exist together in community, there is the need for government of some type. Okay. Think back all the way to school. You remember that class project you had to do? Somebody had to turn out the leader, right? Somebody had to say, okay, I'm going to organize this or else what? We're all getting Fs. Okay, somebody's at least got to say, I'm going to take charge. Uh, you put a um, bunch of boys on an island together. If there's not some type of leader authority, you got Lord of the Flies stuff happening, right? Okay, this is not good. There has to be some type of government. There has to be some type of authority. And so government in of itself is not bad, right? It's not bad in and of itself. And so if God's commanded humanity to be fruitful and multiply, we're going to get more people. There has to be some type of governing way to look at it. So civilization requires authority, and yet the authorities often lack civility. Have you noticed that in your lifetime? That if we think about it, civilization requires authority. We have to have authority to have civilization. We have to have leadership. We have to have somebody who is kind of over this and giving us insight and direction. And yet the authorities often lack civility. Right now, um, once again, I, I don't. Um, there is nothing about Tuesday's night's debate that I would tell my kids over here, that's who you need to emulate right there. There's no civility there. There was nothing noteworthy. There was just anger, frustration, and I'm going to prove my point. And so I say, okay, regardless of what you feel or who you think is right, I don't think anybody walked away going, I'm proud of that, right? Nobody did. It was. It was just. And, and, and can I just say this? As a Christian, it's okay to say that. Even if you say, I'm still voting for this person, right? You can still say, I'm not proud of that. So civilization, it does require authority. And what happens when sin takes over, authority goes to the head, and the authorities sometimes often lack civility. So this quote from G.K. Chesterton on the back <coughs> says, Seemingly, from the dawn of man, all nations have had governments, and all nations have been ashamed of them. <laughs> so that's an interesting comment, right? From the beginning of time, we've had governments, and all those nations have been ashamed of them at some level. And that gives me hope and also very frustration. I do think that probably in our lifetime, we've never seen uh, politics like this and disunity like this. But I will say this. I think probably living in times of Belshazzar and Nebuchadnezzar might have been worse. You know? I mean, it sounded pretty horrible what Daniel and those guys were going through. So if the, from the dawn of time... <laughs> all nations have had governments, and all nations have been ashamed of them. Here's what I see going on in the United States of America. With each election cycle, the candidates serve as a progressively polarized response to the previous administration and the president uh, opposition. Have you noticed that it seems like every election cycle, the candidates get more polarized and more uh, extreme? Okay? Let me explain what I mean by that. Um, I believe that when bush i was just talk about my lifetime—I think that Clinton was a response to Bush Sr. He was a response to him. There were certain things that didn't like what Bush Sr. was doing, and Clinton was a response to that, right? So who was a response to Clinton's ways? Bush Jr., right? So there was a lot about Bill Clinton that people said, I like this about him, but this character piece is, uh, I don't know— And so Bush was this safe kind of wholesome pick, everybody felt like. Oh, he's just a good old boy, right? He's faithful to his family, and he's just kind of there. Uh, There were a lot of things that people felt like Bush Jr. did not do well. So who was the response to him? Barack Obama. Very different than his predecessor, right? And we have eight years of Barack Obama, and the response to him was who? Donald Trump. A very polarized response to Barack Obama which makes me very nervous about, oh, goodness gracious, what is the response to Donald Trump? Because you see how extreme it gets each time more and more, and, oh, this candidate did this, and as soon as I get office, I'm going to reverse everything he did. Right? Isn't that what you always hear on the campaign trail? As soon as I get office, I'm going to reverse this decision, reverse this decision, and the only way that you can do anything is to change it so dramatically. I think the best thing that, uh, that... uh, Donald Trump said the other night in the election that I think is very telltale of all sides. You ready for this? When he looked and said, so are you going for socialism? And he says, no, I'm not a socialist. And he says, you just lost lost the left side. Y'all remember hearing that at all? He said, you just lost them then because you're not going far enough. And I will say, he didn't make a great point but the wisest thing he said that night. is say, there are so many people that are so polarized to what you've been leading on that you got... you. If, if you think about it, Joe Biden is the most left candidate that this country has ever seen, and he's not as left as many in his uh, even party are right now, right? But yet it is so shocking because he's going even further left than what uh, uh, Hillary Clinton did the time before or even he served as a vice president at Barack Obama. Barack Obama started as president and saying, I believe this about marriage and sexuality, and second term, he changed. And it keeps reverting, right? And so there's this Polarized extremes is so much, so much of what Donald Trump says right now is, I'm doing this because the past president did this and I got to fix it, right? And guess what's going to happen when the roles reverse? Switch back and forth, back and forth, more extreme, more extreme, more extreme, more extreme, and everybody's getting more and more unified in the midst of it, right? <laughs> no, not a chance. So, uh, John Dalberg Acton was a um, British historian, and you may have heard the first part of this quote, which I think is very, very uh, wise. It says, Power tends to corrupt. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. We see that in the book of Daniel, do we not? This is a picture of what happens when you remain unchecked and unchallenged. Continues on the quote, Power tends to corrupt. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. Great men are almost always bad men. Even when they exercise influence and not authority, still more when you super add the tendency or the certainty of corruption by authority. In that a statement? He says this, There is no worse heresy than that the office sanctifies the holder of it. That is the point at which the end learns to justify the means. There is no sanctity of office. In fact, sometimes the more power that you get, the less accountability you think you have. And this is what happens in every institution of government if we're not careful. And so with this, how do we change it? As believers, I believe these are some things that we can honestly walk away with. The first is this, be in the world but not of the world. Be in the world but not of the world. When we think through what does it mean to be believers in the midst of a very very crazy time, we have to learn how to be in the world but not of the world. John 17:14 says it this way, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Jesus said, I don't belong here. That's why people don't get me. Believer, you don't belong ultimately here. That's why people don't get you. Don't assume that the right officer, person in office is going to change that for our society. Second is this. Be engaged in politics, but not overly expectant of them. Okay, Find a healthy balance. Be engaged in politics, but not overly expectant of them. Politics can make a great point of conversation. They can be a great use of good for the people. But politics are a horrible god. Candidate is a horrible god. President is a horrible god. Great in the right place, in the right place in our mind, great. But in those situations, so very dangerous. So, how to learn how to be engaged in politics, but not overly expectant of them? Daniel two twenty one. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. So we realize as we're engaged in it, we're not overly expected of them. Overall, God is still sovereign over every single one. Number three, be ready to express your beliefs and willing to engage with others' opinions. That's an easy one, right, everybody? (laughs) Be willing to express your beliefs. Uh, Be ready to. Be willing to engage with others' opinions. Um, Which one's easier for you to do? So we're like, oh, I can express my opinions, you know, my, my thoughts, my beliefs. Not a problem there. But how frustrating is it to listen to someone who just thinks so very differently than you? It's hard. I mean, and it, um, let's be honest, because of the rhetoric of what you hear, whether it's people on the news or people on social media, or maybe it might even be at your Thanksgiving uh, table when you get the family together, right? Um, when people see differently, it almost makes you on the defensive mode that if you believe a certain way, you already feel like you're going to be in combat. And you're, you're there automatically. The conversation starts, and you're ready to go. Versus, how can I listen to you and show grace and truth? How can I say this is what I believe, but I'm also not going to be ugly about it? And that's challenging, right? Especially because we live in times. I, I've, I've looked at um, some of the news clips that I have seen where um, that if there are healthy protests going on when there are people that are uh, mocking and getting in the face of police officers of which you have not done anything wrong, it, it enrages me, you know? It also enrages me when I feel like injustice has taken place to people who didn't deserve it and there wasn't the due right of law. All of those things enrage me. This is what's challenging, and, and, I, and I really do mean this, how to express your beliefs and willing to engage with others' opinions. You as a believer, I'm going to at least say where I am, and you all may disagree with this statement, that's okay, I love y'all, y'all love me. Um, it's okay for me to believe and desire conservative values in America and still be horrified at sometimes what the president says or tweets out. I can do both of those things. And I think we polarize that, you have to be one or the other. Believe in conservative values, give them a free pass, or you just say always, oh, I don't think I have to do that. I think as a Christian I could say, I stand for a lot of what he stands for. I just am shocked and disgusted by sometimes what he says. And I, I feel as a believer I can do that. I believe that the, the country is telling you you can't. It's one or the other. And I'm saying, no, it's not. I can honestly say I'm thankful for some of the decisions that he's made. Thank goodness for the Supreme Court justice nominee that he just gave out. And yet, in the midst of all this, I go, somebody take the man's phone away from him. Stop letting his thumbs get... It. Like, I just... I, I'm horrified at it sometimes. And, and, and so I wanna tell you, believer, I think it's okay to live in both of those worlds. I think it's okay to say, some of you may say, I want a conservative candidate in office, but yet you also were embarrassed by Tuesday night's debate on both sides. I think it's okay to do that. I th- in fact, you mean to talk about know, the crazy thing? I think you can be overwhelmed at the injustice that the African American community has felt in this country At the same time, you can be frustrated when stores are rioted and looted in a protest. I think you can be both. I am. I hate what has happened at some of the injustice of what's happened to some of the African-American people in our country, and I hate what's happening to some of the police officers as well. I can do both. I don't have to be one or the other. And the country's trying to tell you, you got to pick a side. All right, I'm going to pick King Jesus' side. That's whose side I'm on. And don't stick me in a box. Like, I can be compassionate on all of this. And I think that's what so many of us are missing. James one nineteen says this: Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. That's the easiest verse to apply in your life, isn't it? All right? I kind of reverse that. I just think let every person be slow to hear, quick to speak, and quick to anger. Right? That that sounds more like the American verse right now, right? But if we're going to be Christians that are different, countercultural, we have to say I'm going to be quick to hear. So believer, can you listen to that family member who thinks very differently than you and say I? want to hear what you have to say. No, please, please tell me how you feel that way. I'm going to listen. I'm not going to interrupt. I'm going to listen. I'm going, okay, I got that. Uh-huh. I, I see where you come from that. Okay, now can I speak? I'm not going to get angry and heated about it. I'm just going to be calm about it. Um, some of the most helpful conversations for me have been when I've been able to stay calm with somebody and say, I see your point. I understand how you get there, but let me talk to you about this. Can we do that? Can we engage in those, but also be willing to, to listen to others? And number four is this, uh, be committed to the true gospel and not an Americanized version of it. Be committed as believers to the true gospel and not an Americanized version of it. When we think through that sometimes uh, the Apostle Paul said that distortions of the gospel are going to come in, be very, very careful with what's coming out because people are going to try to distort and twist and change things. And Philippians 3.20 says, but our citizenship is aware In heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so what I have there uh, under, underneath this, and this will be what we'll close with tonight, but uh, those four questions that you see on the left side really determine someone's worldview or what they think the gospel is, right? So the four questions, who made it? Who messed it up? Who saves it? What is the goal? If, you, if, if, if someone can answer that about whatever it is, I can kind of tell what they, they are. So when I say a version of this, if we think through, there are some religious Americans right now that they we go, go, well, who made it? Made what? Made what you're experiencing right now. The American people did. They're hard work. We're smarter than everybody. We work harder than everybody. Freedom's better than all these other systems. We made it. All right? Well, who messed it up? The other party, right? <laughs> the other party, they're the one who's messing it up. And if we need to get all that party out or whatever, it's the Democrats, the Republicans, if we need to get them out, then everything will be okay. Who saves it? Well, obviously, our candidate. Our candidate will save it. Well, everything will be just perfect. If we just get the right person in the right office, everything will be okay. And what is the goal? Complete domination of our our political party, right? That's, That's the goal. When, honestly, the true gospel is this. Who made it? God did. Everything that we know, God made. Who messed it up? That'd be us, right? Conservatives, liberals... Republicans, Democrats, independents, politically homeless, everything you imagine, we all messed it up. That's what sin does. Who saves it, everybody? Jesus does. Jesus does by coming and getting in the middle of our mess and loving people enough to call out their sin but also to give his life so they could be forgiven of it. And what is the goal? To be reunited in a kingdom with him where he is the ruler and he does not have any term limits. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Right? That's the goal. And if we're not careful, we'll come up with a distorted view of those questions, of who made it, who messed it up, who saves it, what is the goal. In fact, you could even take all those disagreements that we talked about on the first page and to say, for the ethic of the um, sexual revolution that's still going on right now, do they have an answer to who made it, who messed it up, who saves it, what is the goal? Oh, yeah. There's a gospel there. There's a good news if this can just happen. Uh, regarding women's rights and pro-life movement. Is there a who made it, who messed it up, who saves it, what is the goal? Oh, there's an answer there. But as believers, we never need to think that the goal of our life is that America is somehow the centerpiece of it all. And I'd even say it this way. If you think through what is the goal, the goal is for all nations to know him, right? So how do we get all nations to know Jesus Christ? Who do we send out, everybody? missionaries to do that, right? We want missionaries to go to all peoples, all nations, whatnot. And here's something that I realized a few years ago about myself, that I realized one day that when I thought about the nations being reached, you know who I thought was going to reach them? Americans. Not Christians, American Christians. In fact, Southern Baptist, right, from the International Mission Board, that's how it's going to happen, right? Because it's got to be on us, right? And I I realize there's a flawed view in my own head that I'm thinking somehow we are God-saving grace to the people as Americans rather than Christians. Do you know that there are actually people in China who are being sent from China as missionaries to places like the United States right now? They see us that we're in that bad of a situation that we need some help. I think they're on to something. (laughs) I do. And and I want to make sure we all go, what is, what is the goal? What is it? And it is that all people would know Jesus Christ and not in other ways the United States of America. This is our hotel, folks, not our home. Keep that in perspective. So if we look at the state of disunity, the answer is for us as a church to continue being what the church is called to be. So let me pray for us tonight. Father, I do thank you for an opportunity we have that as a family to be able to uh, unpack some of the truths of First Peter and to think through what it means to be uh, citizens who suffer well, but who know how to honor everyone who know how to love the brotherhood Who know how to fear God, but honor the emperor. We can be subject to every human institution and that we can suffer as we do it. And Lord, that we can be part of the solution uh, versus just antagonizing and acknowledging the problem. So Lord, right now, our country is in a mess and I do believe that there are wiser options for uh, the president than others. Um, I do believe that there's also such a, um, as a believer, there's just a sickening nature of what campaigns and elections and debates have turned into because it just shows about what happens in the human heart. And so, Lord, um, I want to be involved. I want to make educated decisions. I want to vote. But I never want to put my hope in a false messiah or in a false system. I never want to be enraged or overwhelmed or feel hopeless because things in a government system don't go the way that I think they should. Lord, as as long as I can see you seated on your throne, high and lifted up, King of kings, Lord and lords, I'm going to be all right no matter what happens in this nation. So, Lord, help us know that, understand that, walk in that, and help us be voices of reason as we go forward. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. It's good to be back with you.